team in the back, the sound and, and media hand and the worship team a hand this morning. Uh, I'd say you what, nothing like uh, coming into the presence of God. Um, I've always said that just one moment in his presence changes your perspective forever. Can you say amen? Yeah, I'm going to put this back here. We've been in our series on the anointing and... Uh, uh, Warren and I've been talking. He he's kind of looking at. He may come with a two-part series um, this next week. My son-in-law Jeremiah Ziegler uh, will be here speaking. Uh, how many of you know Jeremiah? A few of you. He is uh, he is a, an amazing communicator uh, where it comes to the Word of God. Um, I don't say that because he's my son-in-law. I say that because I've I've seen him grow in the Lord. Uh, my daughter and and our grandbabies and and Jeremiah. Uh, was on staff here uh, through college, and then after he got out of college for a little while, and and I believe that he needed to to get away from home. How many know that there's an element of you know, uh, you, you know you you have them in the nest and they hatch and they grow a bit, but you got to kind of kick them out of the nest. And I'll say the Lord will do that from time to time because uh, growth growth comes uh, through process and it comes through other experiences. Amen. And so for him, I felt it was important that they go to a, a school of ministry uh, and, and learn uh, from a church that uh, has done some of the greatest church planning in this last uh, two decades. They've planted, I think, close to 1,000 churches in, in uh, 10 years, I think, is this last 10 years. And that was their vision, is to plant 1,000 churches over the, that amount of time. And it was art churches. Uh, they went to Birmingham, Alabama, and went through the school of ministry um, there. And then they, they got hired on in Texas, uh, in Houston, or Baytown, Texas, at a church down there. It was about 5,000 members, I believe. Jeremiah pastored the youth and then went on to be the, what they called the experienced pastor. And I meant from the parking lot, when people came in, he was over all the different uh, volunteers and leaders, that from the parking lot through to the children, everything that went on in the church, what's the experience people were having. And so he got to lead in that capacity for a while. And now he's at uh, Valor, uh, it's a Christian high school, Valor Christian High School. I uh, might have got the name wrong on that, he'll tell you what it is next week. Um, but he's there in a, over a thousand students in high school that he's, he's over the, the spiritual development of, of all those students in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Uh, Angie and I were very happy that they moved back here because uh, we get to see our grandbabies a lot more and they got to come over for my birthday and they celebrated my birthday. It's the greatest birthday gift I could ever get is just time with my, my grandchildren and my children. Can I get an amen from the parents in this room? Um, so in that, he'll be here next week, and he has a message the Lord's laid on his heart, and he'll be sharing that. Uh, Warren is now praying, is he going to continue on with the a new anointing series, or is he going to do a two-part series? And he's on vacation, so he's processing that, and uh, he'll come back, and he'll either continue this series. So this could be the wrap-up. Uh, and it may not be because there's some things stirring in his heart as well. And how many know it's important to follow what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart? Very, very important. So, so he has that uh, latitude uh, to be able to do whatever the Spirit is speaking to him. Uh, the Bible talks to us about the Spirit speaks to the church. Jesus said, if anyone has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit speaks. And I hope today that that in my limitations that the Holy Spirit will speak to you today concerning the anointing of the church, the anointing 
of the church. Because you have an anointing, the Bible says in 1 John 2.20, that, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That anointing that the Bible is referring to is you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You don't have to worry about where you're going to go if you'll just listen to the voice, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. He has a way of, if we're going the wrong way, of, of just like, hey, you're going the wrong way. You get that impression. God, there's a, uh, um, if you go through the Bible, you're going to find out that God will actually speak in 30 different ways. You find that he speaks in 30 different ways. He can speak to you through a vision. He can speak to you through a dream. He can speak to you through somebody else by prophecy or word of wisdom or word of knowledge. He can speak to you through the demonstration. Uh, if you think of Paul, Agabus comes to Paul. And he speaks to him, here's what he does, he demonstrates, he acts out what's going to happen to Paul. And God spoke that way to Paul. Agabus goes up and he takes his belt basically, um, wraps it around Paul's hands and binds his hands together. And he tells him, when you go to Jerusalem, when you go where God has called you to go, you are going to be taken prisoner. You are going to be bound in chains and you're going to be taken prisoner. And if anybody's read the Gospels or excuse me, the, uh, the epistles um, of Paul, then what you find out is you find out Paul sure did get bound, went to Jerusalem, he got exactly what Agabus spoke to him by action, not speaking it out at first, but rather walking up and acting out what's going to happen to him, and then saying, just as I bound you here, you will be bound when you go to Jerusalem. And so think about this. Paul knew that, how many of us would still go? He had, a, he had a calling, an impression from the Holy Spirit that this is what he needed to go do, and that's what he's going to go do. There's an anointing upon him to go and do exactly what God said, and then he's told what will happen to him when he goes. How many of us would still go and do that knowing that we're going to be taken prisoner? I got to tell you that in my mind when I read stories like that, I think that gives me great hesitation. If somebody came up, hey, you're going to be taken prisoner when you go there to share the gospel. Hmm, maybe I should go this way instead and not be a prisoner. No, Paul went and sure enough, he became a prisoner. But in prison, we know that, that uh, he continued to write to the churches. And by writing to the churches, he's left us with so much guidance that anointing upon his life. More than two-thirds of the New Testament came from Paul the Apostle. How many could say today that's an anointing? How many could say that's an anointing? It is an anointing, especially to go and do something that you know is going to bring conflict or, or um, if you will, a uh, deterrent that you would face going to share the gospel I will tell you in our society today, it's not much different. We may not get bound uh, physically and thrown into prison in America for sharing the gospel, but I want to tell you that mentally and emotionally, the pushback that we face when we share about Jesus Christ is very similar. Why? What we know is that people in the workplace, in schools, in the marketplace, what's happened is, is the church in many ways has shut up. Shut up, don't share Jesus. Shut up, your way is not my way. There's many ways. 
relativism dominates our society. Pluralism dominates our society. Amen? And what ends up happening is, as well, you know, especially Christians, if you don't know the gospel and you don't know the word, what ends up happening is, it's like, well, maybe there is another way. I mean, that, that so few in the church, the percentage in the church that actually believe in the virgin birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, when you think about um, those basic tenets that he either is the son of God or he's not, and those are so um, important to that fact, and yet if we don't share that, if we don't connect it to that he is the only begotten Son of God. We're born of spirit, and Jesus was conceived of spirit. Do you get the difference? We're born, and we're born into sin. We're born into the line of our father Adam, all the way back to creation. And when he sinned, he subjected, the Bible says it subjected all of us to futility. What's the futility? That we're, we're alive, but we're marching towards death. Come on, somebody. And while in Christ, uh, the second Adam, the Bible says, while in Christ we, we are redeemed, it, we, we get the choice back of eating from the tree of life rather than the tree, than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if we'll choose to feed upon Jesus, come on, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, Jesus says to the disciples. Do you remember the moment that Jesus said that will happen? Most of them left. They're like, whoa, this dude's crazy. And they left him. And he turns to his disciples and this is what he says. You want to go too? And here's their response if you don't know. Where would we go? When we have a mindset of no matter what Jesus teaches us, through the scriptures, no matter what we draw from the scriptures, say devoted. That I'm devoted to the teachings of Jesus. And if I'm devoted to the teachings of Jesus, and he's the one that prays to the Father that I'll receive the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit and the Word agree that what happens when I'm in the Word and I'm receiving the Spirit, when I, that fresh wind from heaven, that I'm constantly in that place, Holy Spirit, come fill me. As I read the scriptures, I told you last week, say logos, that's the written word. Say rhema, that's the spoken word. And when God speaks his word by his spirit into your life, it, it is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing asunder, uh, uh, separating um, uh, uh, soul from, from spirit and, and joints from marrow. That It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man. You ever been in the Bible and you're reading it and there's something going on in your life, be it, be, it, be it sin or be it that you're actually following God? I'll say it's both ways. If you're following God, the word comes across as instruction. Because see, the word of God is good for instruction, for reproof, and for correction. And when I start to read the word of God, what happens is there's those moments that keep going that way. Keep going that way, Derek. And then there's a moment where it says, stop doing that. Come on, somebody. Right? It's, it's like, hey, your life would be better if you went this way. If you followed me, your life would be better. And then there's those times where it, it, it is correction, like there's reproof, but then it comes, man, it's correction. It's like a, right, it cuts you, 
Remember in the book of Acts when Peter's preaching and he's sharing about this Jesus whom you crucified, right? Is both Lord and Christ. That, 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 that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, the Bible says, Jesus Christ as Lord, you shall be saved. See, a lot of us look at Jesus and we say, he's my savior, but understand that when I come to Christ, I receive salvation by acknowledging that you're already on that scripture. You're not supposed to be there, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm building this for that moment. Can you go back? There you go. There, there's your stuff. Okay, so um, I could see people reading the, the screen. And I knew they're like, what's he talking about? That's up there. Um, so where was that, honey? Hey, I have a little bit of ADD. Well, who said what? Okay, the Word of God is good for uh, instruction, reproof, and correction, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides. It causes us, as James says, we look in it, it's like a mirror, and it reflects back. Now, here's the, the beautiful thing of the Scripture. Peter, when he preaches that message, he tells them to repent and turn from a, a perverse generation. Repent. Repent often hits us as a God's displeased with me. Is that true? When you hear repent, you need to repent and turn from a wicked way. Do you hear that word and it's like God's displeased with me? Give me an amen if that's true. A lot of times we hear that word and we hear it as, man, I'm not doing good enough and God's not pleased with me and I need to turn from this. But here's the thing, repentance is a gift. Repentance is actually God's. Think about it this way. The fact that we can turn from a wicked way, that we can turn from the perverseness of this generation just as it was for them, we can turn from that, understand repentance is an expression of love from God. Repentance is an invitation. Hey, you're going this way. Come this way. Because I love you. I'm not displeased with you. I love you. And I want you to experience the life that I sent my son to provide for you. So repent. Every time you hear the word repent, you ought to have this process going on in your head. What's going on in my life that, I, I, that is going away from God that I need to turn to God? And see repentance, that word, when you think about it, as an invitation into love. Amen? And so in saying all of that, you got to understand that that's what's going on. Uh, as I share today about the anointing of the church, the, the anointing of the church, what was going on is it's come out of this moment where, you know, the Holy Spirit has come upon. Jesus tells them, go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon until you're endued with power. Say power. It's dunamis power. It's an anointing from the Holy Spirit that we would walk in his power to to uh, live out the message of Christ, to live out a life that is like Christ. Can you say amen? So now, having said that, I want to read this to you out of Acts uh, 2, 40-47. I've shared this with um, the youth recently, uh, being in the, the youth for a couple, I think it's three times I've been with the youth. And, and in a sense, I want to say that while the world's in a great reset, the church needs to reset. Pastor Warren and I went through a training and it talks about the seven disruptions of the church coming out of COVID. 
Well, it's, it's the same, there's similar disruptions that are going on in businesses, in the schools. Are you guys noticing a disruption in almost everything that's going on around us? And let me say this, that, you know, the Bible says that, that to think on things that are above, that are good. Think, do this, tap, just tap your head. You ever done that before? Hey, what are you thinking? Do that with me, come on. I know you don't want to do it, but I'm, I'm going to walk around to you until you do it. Get that, oh, you're pointing at his head? No, your head and you point at yours. There's a reason why I'm saying that to you. Think, say think on these things, right? You ever like, hey, you need to get your mind right. Now, I want to tell you that this morning I watched our Largo campus and I watched uh, Nathan Hagen, who is the regional executive director for Open Bible down there for, for all the states in the southeast region. And he shared that today and it hit me. Man, is that not the case with everything going on around us? How do we get our mind right? How do we think on those things and stay in that place with God where we're not distracted by the things of this world, right? I love that old hymn that says the things of this world will grow grow strangely dim in the light. Can you finish it? Of his glory and his grace. His glory and his grace. It's all for his glory and his grace works in our life in such a way that makes us want to glorify God. Can you say amen? So here we go. Acts 2, 40 through 47. And I shared this with the youth, with our leadership team. And there's a reason why. Because I believe the church, I believe Christians have been distracted by what's going on in the world. And we have to reset ourselves to think on things that are above. And the best way to do that is to follow what the early church did. Here it is. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Think about the things this is saying. They were baptized. And and, and that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's teaching. Doctrine is teaching. And fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear, that's reverence, came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and delivered them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, that's unity, the temple and, uh, uh, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. This, we gather, we are the temple of the Lord. Can you say amen? This building, like they had synagogues and they go to the synagogue at the temple. They go to the temple. We come to church, but we are the church. We are those living stones set one upon another that God says he wants to inhabit by spirit. And so there is a corporate anointing that comes. And when we're together in unity, there's an anointing that comes for us in the assembly of the saints that might differ in a bit you're not going to have you know from house to house now some of you may be great at music if you are i just want you to know the worship team's always looking for those folks that want to be a part right and serve with their giftings can you say amen? amen the children's ministry is looking for people if you have children let me say just one sunday every you know uh six to eight weeks lifts a burden off of 
the 20% that's serving the 80%. Can somebody say amen? amen. That wasn't loud enough. The body's meant to serve one another. We all have giftings and we're meant to serve one another. And that is how we're ministered to and come to health and, and, and vitality so that we have an anointing that's being expressed. If you are not using your giftings that come from the Holy Spirit, then your anointing, let me say, it, it, it's deferred. Let me say it's kind of procrastinated. It's kind of like Jeremiah 29, we, uh, 11. We, we love to read that scripture. For I know, can you guys do that with me? For I know the thoughts that you think towards me, that they are good and not evil, to give me a future and a hope. Amen? Now here's the thing about that. The King James saying an intended end, that word end, if you go study it out, one of the words that will come out of it is procrastination. That God's thoughts are of good and not of evil. And what happens is, is it's kind of like, here's all his blessings, and they're sitting there waiting for what? you got to remember in Jeremiah's time that the whole thing is, is that Jeremiah's prophet, they're in captivity. They're, they're in a yoke of slavery. They're under a heavy burden. And all of a sudden, here's this prophecy that, that God is going to... Uh, you know, tell them they've got a, a future and a hope, but they don't feel like they have a future and a hope. And I want you to know that that word starts to change their mindset. As a matter of fact, later on we find out in Daniel that Daniel understands by book and by number of years. What is he reading? He's reading Jeremiah the prophet. And out of reading that, watch, he, he gets a impression God's about to fulfill what Jeremiah prophet, prophesied all these years ago what's God wanting to fulfill in your life do you recognize the things that God has spoken to you over the course of your relationship with him what does he want to fulfill and what's the intended end he has for you is it setting in a, a procrastinated place because he's waiting for alignment in you because if you understand Daniel starts to talk about I understood by book and by number that the years were about to be completed. And so I set myself to pray. And he begins to pray. And what we know is he prays what, what I call the prayer of alignment. He begins to align himself with God. He begins to unify himself with God. Think about it. Are you always in unity with the Spirit? Are you always walking in what the Spirit is doing in your life? The only way you can know is to have the Word of God in your life. That if you're reading the Word and it discerns your thoughts and intents, the thoughts and intents of your heart, and it reflects that back, and you see like God's guy, it's like, I understand by what this is speaking to me. Keep going this way. I got to stay my course. Or change your course, repent. What's that mean? An invitation of God's love to go his way and experience the blessing that he has for you that is waiting for you to get under him, to get under Christ, which I shared in this series. If you haven't heard the whole series, you go back and watch it online. But I shared about Jesus is the anointed one. He is Messiah. Amen? And so ultimately, he's the head of the church. The anointing of the church is all about being under the head. 
That's why they talked about being devoted to the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. I was with the youth, and I asked them, what do you think that, well, actually, I asked them, hey, underline something that stands out to you, that, that like, grabs you, that maybe you want to know or, or maybe you want to express. And so that was one of the things that three of them underlined. And in that, it's like, kind of, what's that mean? And what was the apostles' doctrine? How many of you have ever read a, a red-letter Bible? <laughs> Everything that Jesus said. The apostles' doctrine was teaching everything that Jesus taught them. That when we get ourselves in the place, what's the Beatitudes say? What is it that Jesus was teaching in the parable of the sower? What was he teaching when he was talking about uh, the wicked master, right? What was he teaching about when he, when he, when he, you, you see this, exchanged with the woman with the issue of blood what was he teaching about faith in that moment then when we get so desperate that nothing else will work i think it's it's tough that we turn to everything else first and we try to figure everything else out and we come to the end which isn't a bad thing because god's uh, prophesied over us there's an intended end then when this woman comes to that place, if I can just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just come under the authority of Jesus. Why? Because it is his authority as our Lord to turn and declare somebody whole. Come on. And if you know anything about Jewish law, even with the lepers that came to him, what was Jesus teaching us in that? Remember, they cried out to him from afar. They're not allowed to come near anyone. And they cry out to him from afar. And Jesus, in so many places that you'll read, if you go read everything that Jesus did, you'll find yourself coming under the anointed one. And there will be an anointing upon your life. And then when you come together as believers in a body, that anointing will change the life of people around you as you walk in it to bless them with what God has given you. Think about the anointing on Peter's life. We talk about Jesus. Here's somebody de devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Here's somebody devoted to his teachings. And what he does is that he's in prayer and he's in the word. All the way to the point that people, there was such an anointing on his life, they bring people out on their beds and just lay them in the street. And if you go read that story, you find out that Peter walks by them and he, his shadow, his shadow touches them and they're made whole, they're healed. We read stories like that and I promise you, our natural mind is like, dude, that's impossible. Can I get an amen? Do you think when you read certain like, bro, what? I want to have faith to believe that the gifts, the callings of God in your life, whatever they may be, that they come to a fullness. They can only come to a fullness of being under his anointing. That they come to such a fullness that what God intended you to bring in the life of people around you is not hindered because Jesus is working through you. Say this with me. He who has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's until he returns. Let me move on here. I want to give you something because 
in all of this, these things we see them doing. You have an anointing, as I've said, from the Holy One. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was given in Acts 2. And then this is what they did. With that anointing that came upon them, these are the things they devoted themselves to each and every day. Listen as I share from John 14, 26. But the, the helper, say helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Sometimes people ask me, when, even like when I'm preaching, I probably shared, I don't know how many scriptures, we could go and watch the video and count them. You know, how do you remember all those scriptures? If you were to come and ask me like, hey, can you tell me, you know, what this scripture is, dot, 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 I probably couldn't tell you that. But as I share with you, or as I interact in a relationship, and there's something that's said, it comes to my remembrance, it's brought to my remembrance what the Bible says. If you remember Billy Graham, that was his family, famous saying, the Bible says, come on now, why did Billy Graham do that? Because if people could ever follow what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, let me say, is all over that. The Holy Spirit is going to agree with the Word of God at work in your life, not sometimes, all the time. And when you get into that kind of alignment under the Holy One, the Anointed One, and you have the Holy Spirit, and you begin to live that out, there is an anointing that flows in your life. That oil doesn't just fill you up, it fills you up to overflowing, and when you're filled up to overflowing, you're in that place of where it's not just the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that the Bible says. The Bible says this, and the Bible says that. And it's not just letter. It's not just logos. It comes out of you and there is breath when you speak on the word of God. There's a breath of God blowing through you that we sang about. It's blowing through you. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit is in you and the word of God is in you, it comes out with this agreement that the Holy Spirit will move on you speaking the word of God into people's lives. Can you say amen? So the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Say doctrine. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. It's what Jesus taught. And here Jesus is saying, teaching, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now here's what helper means. It's paraclete, the Greek word paraclete. It means advocate or helper. In Christianity, the term paraclete most commonly refers to the Holy Spirit. And that when you have the helper in your life, there's all that that we read out of, out of Acts 2, 40-47. All of that that the early church did, the anointing that was on the church. The church, the members who together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you 11 things that he helps you with. And I know Matt's back there like, man, he ain't never going to make it in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. But we're going to do it. You ready? If you're taking notes, write these down. If you'd like them afterwards, um, let me know and, and we'll, we'll definitely have copies next week for you to grab this. Number one, the Holy Spirit 
that anointing of the church, the Holy Spirit helps us to witness. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Amen? Here's the deal. We, we are in Colorado Springs, and we're in Largo, Florida, and we're online, and people may be watching online, and so who knows where we're at? We've been in other countries because of that. So some of the difficulties of COVID pushed us to the point of saying we're going to go live on camera so that other people can receive from this. Why? Because our members, for months, that's the only way that we could, could meet, if you will, around the table of God, right? The bread, the living word of God. Number two, the Spirit helps us to follow Christ in baptism, Titus 3.5 says, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy and saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by somebody, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that we follow him in baptism. If you haven't been baptized, I know we had a couple youth that indicated they hadn't, they kind of want to, and they're praying through that. But I will tell you, if you've never been baptized, Follow Jesus in baptism because that's what he asked us to do. Amen? Number three. And this one I kind of broke down a little bit um, because there's a number of things within the context of, of that part of Scripture that we read out of Acts. He helps us continue steadfast. Steadfast. That we don't give up. And let me say that we don't grow weary in doing good. Because we know in due time we'll reap if we do not faint, if we do not give up. Amen? He helps us to stay steadfast, continue steadfast. Learning. In learning, Psalms 143, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your uh, gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. On a firm footing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. That's teaching. In other words, they were learners. They dedicated themselves to be lifelong learners. Read the Bible. Read some good books about what it is to be a Christian. You know, I talk about our, our roadmap to spiritual maturity that we created. One of the best things you do if, if you know, you're spiritually undecided, and there's grace for you to stay in that place until you come to the place of, of God's grace setting down on you and his mercy flowing into your life and deciding it is our decision to accept the work that he does in us but once that takes place we become a Christ follower see uh, I believe in my heart I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord what does that mean see I bend my knee lordship means I'm coming under he's over and I'm under his lordship and when I come into that place here's what it really means Jesus you have the right to tell me how to live my life I'm a Christ follower. How can I be a Christ follower if I don't follow what he instructed me to do? Amen? So I want to follow what Jesus instructs me to do through his word and as the Spirit um, empowers me to do that. Fellowship. They continued in fellowship. Philippians 2.1 says, Therefore, if, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... If any affection and mercy, then when we come into, under that anointing, 
that is the church. It's an anointing that sets on us to cause us to experience love and mercy in our life. And let me say something about people who, who are filled with love and mercy. Love and mercy then, an anointing of love and mercy in your life flows into other people's lives around you. You don't struggle to forgive people for big things and small things. Can you say amen? Husbands and wives, can you say amen? Because <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. Breaking bread, Luke 24, 35. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now they're sharing a meal and there's, there's joy and connection, fellowship that takes place when we break bread together. But this is referring to also, think of the Last Supper, that when we, we break bread, there's relationship. But when we come together and we break bread in the, in the context of, of communion, that what happens, we recognize the broken body of Jesus Christ, the bread. And of course, the, the, the wine or the, the, the juice, fruit of the vine, that then uh, the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. And we have pure fellowship with him. And when we walk in that and we're reflecting on our life because we, we, we are introspective to say, am I following Jesus? And wherever I'm not, if it means that I need to forgive or release somebody, that I do that so that I don't take the body of Christ in an unworthy manner. That what happens is I acknowledge his work for what it is and I let it work in my life. Can you say amen? Uh, uh, the breaking of bread and then prayer. They continued in prayer, steadfast in prayer. First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen says, "Rejoice always. Rejoice in good times. Rejoice in bad times. Always pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. This is the will. Say, this is the will. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." That you pray without ceasing. Keep God engaged in the things that are going on in your life. Amen. Number four, help, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us. That anointing of the Spirit helps us to remain reverent towards God. Proverbs 1.15 and 11 says, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help. Say paraclete. Holy Spirit. Right? He's our paraclete. Help and their shield. God is your help and your shield. He protects you and he assists you, right? He advocates for you. Anything that you need in life, take it to the Lord. Amen. Number five, he, uh, he helps us experience the power of God. The Holy Spirit in the church, the anointing of the Spirit helps us to experience the power of God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4.20. This is out of the Message Bible. I know there are some among you who are so full of themselves, they never listen to anyone, let alone me. This is Paul the Apostle. They don't think I'll ever show up in person, but I'll be there sooner than you think, God willing. And then we'll see if they're full of anything but hot air. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. Now, Paul the Apostle... In Romans 1, he says, I long to be with you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you that to the end you may be established. That there's an impartation. When there's an anointing, there's an impartation. My hope today is that you're receiving 
an impartation, a revelation of how powerful the Holy Spirit can work through you by the anointing of God upon your life. What's your dreams? What is it that you think of? The, the good things, the greatness in your families, the greatness in your career, the greatness in your impact on other people. I want you to know that God wants an anointing to rest on your life to accomplish those things. Not for our glory, for his. Let me say this. It blesses us, right? When God does those things, it blesses us, and he wants you to be blessed. But understand that every blessing in your life is meant to be an expression in the life of someone else. Let me say it again, because I don't think you got that. Every blessing in our life is meant to be an expression for someone else's life, an expression to be a blessing to them. Helps us experience the power of God. I would tell you every place you read in the Bible, every place you read in the Bible where you see the power of God at work, where you see the anointing upon the gift in somebody's life, I challenge you this, show me a place where the power of God, right, when you think of other believers or you think of those that God called, show me a place where the anointing worked, that it did something, that there was a miracle, there's a sign, there's a wonder, there's something amazing that happens, that God intervenes. Show me a place where that happened and it wasn't somebody caring for somebody else, showing compassion to somebody else, ministering, serving somebody else. Every single time Jesus moves and what he went about, healing all who are oppressed by the devil and sick. Those lepers I talked about who cries out to him and he heals them. Only one out of ten comes back. And is great and glorifies him. Now watch, they're healed. But the one who comes back gets a little extra. Say extra. See, the anointing can work and it's amazing. Wow, this is God's working in my life and that's great. But coming back and glorifying God for what he's doing, being thankful in all things, prayerful in all things, and coming back and saying, thank you, God. It's like, it wasn't everything I, I mean, I still need this or this needs to happen or that needs to happen. Don't go to God with that expression. Go to God with an expression of thank you for what you've done. Because he, he was healed, but there's parts of his body that have rotted off. And that one that comes back to Jesus, the Bible says that he was made whole. Say whole. In other words, not healed with pieces missing, but restored completely the way God intended him to be. I want that. Can you say amen? So uh, six, it helps us walk in unity. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. There should be unity in the church. And it's only unity where the spirit comes. And when there's unity the anointing of the church causes it to live these things out. Not by their own power, but by God's empowerment. The dunamis power that he gives you to live for him. Amen? Number seven, helps us to be generous. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, be generous and you will be prosperous. Say that with me. Be generous, be generous. and you will be prosperous. <laughs> Help others. There's paraclete. 
Help others and you will be paracleted. <laughs> you will be helped when you have a heart like God that wants to express help to others. The Holy Spirit just comes alongside. Man, let's keep doing this. Why? Because it doesn't just, you know what the Dead Sea is? Anybody ever been to Israel? When I went to Israel, I got to go to the Dead Sea. Water flows in, doesn't go out. Nothing comes out of it, so it's dead. It's not moving, so it's dead. That wind, we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going, but if we'll get in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life, if we'll ask him to fill us, what happens is there's a flow that comes from heaven, and it's meant to flow through us. And if we don't let it flow through us, what happens is, is it becomes stagnant. We don't know how to use our gifts. The Bible says that, that, that by reason of use, you've exercised the gifts. you got to use your gifts. you got to minister to other people. You could be sitting across this room right now, and God lays somebody on your heart, and you're thinking about, man, I know they're going through a hard time. Well, I'll just go pray quietly. for. I'll go home and pray for them. You know, walk across and say, you know, God laid you on my heart, and I want to pray for you. I know that you're going through a hard time. I don't know what it is exactly. And God may give you a word of not like, you know, I just feel like the Lord's saying dot, dot, and dot. And all of a sudden, you've done what the Bible says. Prophecy is good for edification, exhortation, and comfort. People need edification. They need to be built up. They need to be encouraged. Edification, exhortation is an encouragement to them that, you know, it could be gentle warnings or it could be, hey, keep doing what you're doing. God's with you and comfort. People going through a hard time in life. Marriage on the rocks, family falling apart, losing a job, whatever it be. God's put something on the inside of you to speak into their life where he shows them that he has a future and a hope an intended end, and it is for good and it's not for evil. Can you say amen? Walk in unity with others. Help others, serve others. Be generous. Number eight, help us to continue our pursuit of God together. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to continue our pursuit of God together. Listen to this, corporately for community. Together, corporately, like we're here today, for community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us... Uh, Think of ways to motivate one another. To motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. When this was written, think about how many years ago this was written and the day of his return is drawing near. And we see the whole world in this shift and change. And I want you to know that that prophetically there are things going on in the world that you can read in Daniel and you can read in Ezekiel and you can read in Revelation and you see these things shifting and sometimes it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, we've got the wrong people doing this. Look, God is not surprised. He sits on the throne. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he'll turn it whichever way he desires. The Bible says he sits in the heavens, laughs at his enemies. There's a spirit of antichrist at work and there will be things aligned and know this. I want it to get better. I want it to be better for my grandchildren. I want all of that. But there's a day when everything's going to get very, very bad. The world is not going to get better and better. The world is going to get worse and worse. And know this, when they say, peace, 
then sudden destruction will come is what the Bible says. And as believers, we need to know what the Bible teaches so we set our eyes and we keep our focus on the author and the finisher of our faith. Not let the world dictate the way we think or the way we talk. Can you say amen? I got to get moving. I'm already three minutes, four minutes over. (laughs) Matt's going to throw something at me. Life groups, together in life, continue together in life groups. What's that look like? You can do it formal. We have Bible studies. You know, the women do a Bible study. The men do a study. Um, People get together and they do a study. I know Crystal Hill's doing a study. Uh, But there are people who get together informally. You have relationships and you enjoy being around one another. I would just say this. You got four, five, six good relationships and, and you get together to have a barbecue or you get together just to hang out, your kids are playing or whatever. I invite you to just take 15 minutes. Take, take five minutes and, and pray and just glorify God. Take five minutes and have a scripture that you can focus on and talk about what's that speak to you. Best thing you can do, you're in a group of people is say, what does that passage speak to you? And I'm telling you, even like with the youth, I think we had 12 of them in there that night, and they're underlining things, and only, only one of them did three of them put, and then there's another one that two of them put, and everybody else had something different that they felt like spoke to them in that scripture. When that happens, we are acting as the body of Christ. It's in a smaller group, but they gather that the church daily, or the synagogue, and from house to house. They got together in their own gatherings. It's like the young adults getting together. And yes, they're having fun, but we're talking about the things of God. I asked them the question, do you want Christianity without power or Christianity with power? Which one do you want? They're like, with power. And let me tell you, that'll cost you something. You got to get in your prayer closet. You got to pray. You got to interact with others so that you are able to grow. It is proven that when we are in relationship with others who are following Christ, that we can study scripture and we come out with three times what we could if we do it just by ourselves all the time. Have a devotional life, but get in a life group. Be it formal, you want to start a group, or it's informal and you get together with folks, but bring God into the midst of those relationships. And I promise you, as the Bible says, we're two or three. Listen, uh, we're two or three gathered together, right? There I am in their midst. Nine, helps us to live a life of praise. Helps us to live a life of praise. Um, Psalm 146 and 2 says this, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. They praise God. They glorified God. And this is the psalmist. This is way before Acts 2. And the psalmist is declaring that every day of our life, we ought to be praising God. Why? Because he's the one that gives us life. Number 10, he helps us. To live in grace. He helps us to live in grace. Acts 20 and 32. And now I entrust you to God. And the message of his grace. That is able to build you up. And give you an inheritance. With all those he set apart for himself. Let me read that again. Let that resonate in your spirit. And now I entrust you to God. And the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Those that have given their life to Christ, those that have accepted his grace are a part of those that this is speaking of. And when we're together, God's grace is only increased. If God's grace is working in Angie's life and I'm hanging around with her, 
that favor, that unmerited favor, that grace that's spoken over my life, then I know this. God is at work. The question is, am I going to get in the midst of what he's doing? Am I going to be under the anointed one? Am I going to align myself so that inheritance, the blessing of God, flows into my life? Come on, and through my life. Amen? Amen. Number 11. Helps us fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and 19, very simple. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You are the church. You are the church, and you have an anointing. And I challenge you to walk in it. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1.21, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God. You are anointed in God. Can you say amen? And here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to show you a video of this church and, and some of its actions toward the Great Commission and, and the very things that this passage of Scripture talks about that we're, we live out together here, but we're living out across this nation. And I believe that as we have some new missions things coming, I'm going to share that in a second, some things for missions that we've kind of not had that in front of us and we need to go into all the world can you say amen we need to be local national and international with our expression of the gospel amen and so i want to pray for you would you stand to your feet for a moment would you look up here what's your anointing what is your anointing what has God gifted you to do? Think on that for a moment. What has he gifted you to do? Because I think that far too many people do not understand the greatness of God when you trust him. When you're willing to let him come and fill you. And look, I know most of you are following the Lord, reading the scripture, but I challenge you to believe for God to work in power over your life because that's what the spirit the anointing is all about God's power working according to his scripture in your life so I want to pray for you I don't know what it may be today that you're thinking God I want more can you say that with me God I want more I want more of your spirit I want more of your anointing and I want you to use me more come on I want you to use me more Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your people. I pray those hard things that set before them, God. I pray that, Father, those yokes would break, burdens would lift off their life. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, as they reach out to you right now from their heart and their mind, an expression of God, come fill me, use me. Use me in the ways that you used your people that I read about in the Bible. Use me for miracles, God. You, Lord, use me to be an encouragement to people around me. Use me, God, to challenge the people around me to follow you in a loving, merciful, and gracious way. I pray for your people, God, that the blessing of the living, the living God, Heavenly Father, would rest upon them. And that God, the days, the weeks, the months ahead, I, I just pray, Father, that they, they apply. That we as a church would apply. Lord, we're not just hearers of your word, but we are doers of your word. 
Holy Spirit come down and rest on their life. I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak, Father God, mercy, grace, truth, and love into their households, into their relationships. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Be seated for one moment. Let me share with you. Um, just real quick, uh, how many of you know the Ecclesiastes says to everything there's a time and a season, right? And the, there's a time and a season in our life for everything. Let me say that many of you in here have probably served at times in the church and you got extra time and you're going for it. And, and then all of a sudden you got kids and they got, come on, they got soccer, they got basketball, they got, right? You got all those things that go on in your life. I challenge you to serve where you can. Um, just to let you know, uh, you know, as Zach has stepped uh, out and God's called him to another place, him and Brittany, Crystal Hill, as you know, is, is uh, serving uh, to oversee the children's ministry area. <laughs> yeah, come on, get in. She's amazing. And let me say this. <laughs> when it comes to making announcements or talking about what's going on in the children's ministry, uh, Chris was kind of like, I do not want to get up in front of people. She'll, she'll lead and she'll serve, but getting up in front of people is not her thing, okay? Um, so uh, some of the team will be expressing those. We've got some young people serving in it. There'll probably be some videos and things like that. But I encourage you, if you have a child, jump in the children's ministry and, and assist and help serve in those areas. The burden becomes very heavy if, if the body doesn't come together to serve in the areas that we see as being important. Uh, to share Christ. Um, uh, Lenny Hill is going to be helping. Uh, he's going to be overseeing our missions. And we have really five, or excuse me, seven tracks for missions, if you will. Seven components are very important parts to it. And here's what it is. When we stand before Jesus, we're either sheep or we're goats. We, we believe in him or we don't believe in him. And he'll turn to the ones, right, the goats, and here's what happens. Uh, it's or the ones that have followed him, I'm sorry, the sheep. And it's like, enter in the rest that I've prepared for you because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me a cup of cold water. When I was um, uh, uh, a stranger, you took me in. When I was in prison, you came to me. When I was sick, you, you came and visited me. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are seven things that we need to be about because when we stand before the Lord, that's what we give an account for. What do we do with this wonderful salvation? What do we do with this wonderful anointing that God put upon our life? And so, so he turns to the ones that, that are the goats and he basically, here's what happens. It's like, um, they say, when did we see you naked and not clothe you? And when they start reasoning and questioning their Lord, if you will. And he has one statement for them because here's what happens. Watch. In your name, we cast out demons. We, in your name, we prophesied. And in your name, we... Here's the thing. I offer back to you, Lord, the gifts that you gave me. No, no. It's measured by how you treat people. The gifts are all about ministering to the needs of people can you say amen the spiritual needs the natural needs the emotional needs come on the mental needs all of those needs our gifts are given to actually have fruit from them 
So bringing back to Jesus, here, let me give you back what you gave to me to do the work. That doesn't, doesn't do it for Jesus. Depart from me, I never knew you. So don't let the gifts, right? Don't ever let them outweigh the fruit that you're producing by serving the Lord. Can you say amen? Uh, so Lenny's going to help me build that track. And so we're looking at probably November, we'll be rolling that out. And I'm, I'm really excited about that because we started working on that before COVID. And COVID hit and we pivoted and we had to focus on everything else that we had to do. But I, it's so, so important for us to do the things as Christians, as a, as a church body, that we're going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account for. Can you say amen? And we've dug a well and provided not just a cup of cold water, but a whole well of water for a community in Africa. Um, when the Ukraine, the war broke out and all the, the, the just the destruction that came and the, the people being displaced from their homes, uh, our churches, Largo and, and Colorado, raised $6,000 to send over there for aid to, to those in the Ukraine that was being displaced. And so I would just say to you that, that it's, um, it's so important for us to, to be focused on that. Then we have a number of young adults. Uh, Izzy is uh, going to be doing the, the media. Of course, you see her up here on bass playing. So she kind of comes in during the week, and she does uh, a lot of editing on the videos and stuff like that. Um, we got Summer and, and uh, Ashley Dameron. Um, they're going to be helping. Their helps ministry, if you will. They're going to plug and play. You know, uh, preteens, youth, uh, children, uh, running the slides sometimes wherever they're needed they're they're willing to serve because they have administrative gifts and and they're really just uh, help helpful and the Bible talks about the ministry of helps um, who am I missing so Ashley Jackson um, as you know who's on the worship team with the next gen ministry she's going to be helping Josh Ketchum um, I'm missing so, so like I said summer who am I missing help me out Darcy is actually with worship. She's taking a greater role alongside. She'll be leading, what, starting next week? The week after, for two weeks um, with, because Jay's gone on vacation. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, Kevin D'Souza, uh, who's on the camera back there, and Lord knows we need somebody to run the camera. I move a little bit too much sometimes, and, and he's like, man, can I keep up with this guy? Um, but you know, those are very important. Zach, uh, as a full-time staff member, he did a lot of those things. And of course, those people who are serving in those areas, I just want you to know, they're really pouring out the extra for this church body. Um, and and the Bible says, honor to whom honor is due. Amen? Uh, so, uh, who? Cat. Cat. And Cat's right back here. Uh, she is the sister of, um, man, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Uh, she's the sister of Dominique, who is in our daycare, and we got to meet her through when you came out to do the wedding and stuff, right, for, for Dom. And, and so Kat is coming in to kind of help fill uh, uh, Crystal Fox uh, with her kids all in school, and Piper's starting kindergarten. It's really busy for her, so she's kind of stepping back from a lot of the responsibilities she had so she can focus on her children. Can you say amen? I respect parents who who realize like I, I've got this much time and I really need to spend time over here and so I want to I want to honor her that she's making the right choice for that uh, even though I'm sad <laughs> I mean I'm really sad I gotta tell you she's been amazing but God how many know God provides 
And so Kat comes in and they're relating and Kat is going to step in and take some of those responsibilities and, and do a lot of our frontline uh, first impressions things. So I want to give you that direction and then I, now I want to say thank you for all your support allowing Angie and I to pastor both here and in Largo, Florida. I know it's not all been easy. Uh, I told you that it'd take me about 18 months to get it on the rails down there and we've, we've pretty much got that on the rails and so my time will will be a little bit more here than it is there um, because we have Jake and Amanda and the team that's down there leading things but I wanted to show you a video of some of the work that we've done um, where there was not really a good children's ministry focus and they don't really we don't really have any children down there and how many know it's important to reach the next generation and my thing was is it doesn't look inviting for children we don't have a place for children really and it's pretty uh, grungy looking how many of you walk into a children's ministry and it's grungy and you're like I'm not, I ain't putting my kid in here right so I want you to watch this video of what you've been a part of helping move for the kingdom of God to reach Largo, Florida, uh, to go into all the world. Roll that video. They had to weave through that to get their kids in. We'll be replacing that counter. And as you go into here, the walls are bare, but there's photos coming of some of the activities of kids that we've had down there. They'll be on the wall to kind of have vision on the wall down there. Can you say yuck? Pastor Jake and his wife, um, Mandy. And that's Vanessa when she was still down there. That whole room was that green. I almost had a seizure when I walked in it.
Um, I'll wrap up with this. Uh, we we uh, stepped into that in the midst of COVID to help that church from shutting down. And I will say it's probably the hardest work we've ever done doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. So there's moments where we talk like, you know, we lost our mind. And there's times where you as members and even the folks that you guys have lost your mind. Um, but I want you to know that when God calls us to do something, a lot of times it's not easy. But seeing changed lives, I got to tell you, it's worth it. And the church was never called to stay. The church was called to go. And it wasn't me that said it. It was our Lord and Savior that said that. And if there's ever been anything in my life as a pastor that's hard is, is when, when there's people that's like, well, it's just about us. And I got to tell you that he left heaven, humbled himself, and he became a servant to all. We don't have the capacity to be servants to all. It's like I say sometimes to people, I like it when you're here. And I get that a lot from here and there. Can you understand that? Like, I like when you're here. But I got to tell you, Jesus didn't, he didn't design the church that way. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And I want you to have a full diet. I want you to be equipped to the best that you can and the way that I can do that, being the, the lead pastor of this church in Largo, Florida, is to make sure that in this pulpit, I have bread, fresh bread from heaven, the word of God being shared, anointed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it's my greatest desire every time we get together that that's the case. And I get that I'm going long and I hate going long, but you got to think 52 Sundays a year. And do you know the average attendance now is 1.6 times a month? And as a pastor, I get just these few moments when people may be here to share. And there are people enjoying Labor Day weekend, and God bless them for it, right? I don't have any issues if you can't make it because you're doing things with your family. But I got to say, sometimes if you don't watch the service online or you don't see those things communicated, it's, you know, uh, we maybe need to be better at communication. And you can... Help us understand how to do that by sharing, hey, if you did this, I, I would probably be able to, we can send an email out, but we don't want to bombard you with emails all the time. We want to respect you. But at the same time, to be in unity as a body is to know. And that's why I wanted to show that video, to know what you've done in stepping up to, to release us to be able to do that and to work together to build the kingdom of God, not just in our Jerusalem, but in a Judea, a Samaria, out of most parts of the earth approach. Why? because that's what Jesus has called us to do. That's one of those tracks of mission that I don't want to fail at. When I stand before the Lord, I know that I've given my life. I know that we as a, as a church didn't become inward focused and didn't start nitpicking at one another. We rather kept our eyes on the harvest that's white and it's ready. And, the, and it's Jesus that said, the harvest is great. The laborers are few. And you as a church... It's been a labor, and there's still some labor to it. But I want you to know it's a worthwhile work because there's a harvest. And even the Spanish congregation down there, when I told them, come out of the cafeteria and use the sanctuary, use the church, because it's sitting empty, and you're stuck in a cafeteria back there around the backside of the building where they walk in by the dumpster, and it, it smells. 
And it's like they're going to build a church. And for 13 years, they're back there. And pretty much 30-some people. And they come into the sanctuary. And they use the whole church like it's theirs. Now, they pay some money to rent it. But not close to what it would cost. But it's all about the Great Commission. Let me say this to you. The guy you saw in the hallway when, he, when the painting was going on is a member of that church that started coming when we moved them out of, it's kind of like, no, you go back here in the corner. No, no, you're preaching the gospel. Get right up here in the front. Can I get an amen? And we moved them to the front and they have doubled. They watched God just do amazing things. Why? When I talk to that pastor, he goes, well, I'm like, wouldn't you want to use it? He goes, well, it's never an option. They didn't want to let us do that. And I'm thinking, my Lord and Savior said, you're a light. And you're set on a hill for all to see so that they can be drawn to him. You never want to put the gospel in a place where it's hidden. Don't cover it up. Don't hide it. Let it be open and out front. Amen? So we did that. And so it's not just the Largo Church in the sense of, you know, those that were open Bible and a part of our church family, but all of a sudden the Spanish congregation is using the facility that we put that light out front to and souls are being saved. So three churches, come on somebody. See, God's a God of multiplication, amen? So let me pray for you as you go today. Heavenly Father, I pray the Lord bless and keep every person here. I pray, God, that your face would shine upon them and God, that you would give them peace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And can you say amen? Amen. Hey, enjoy your week. Hang on, wait a second.